You are listening to Cindy Uncensored Bible Podcast with Cindy Parker. Good morning, friends and family. Today we are talking about our spiritual warfare series about the unseen world and how it affects us today. And we're going to be talking about the divine worldview today. And let me pull my notes up here. I appear to have lost them. Hang on. All right, I'm ready. Um, Basically, the Divine Council worldview believes that the scriptures describe a congregation of divine beings who meet with God and discuss human affairs. And so we're going to go over some scripture that supports that. And most of these are verses in the Bible that we have ran across as we read the scriptures. And we don't understand what they mean and we just kind of gloss over them. Or in some cases, Bible scholars have attached explanations to them that I believe is incorrect. So first we're going to look at Psalms 89 verses 5 through 7. The heavens praise your wonders, Lord, your faithfulness too, in the assembly of the holy ones. For who in the skies above can compare with the Lord? Who is like the Lord among the heavenly beings? In the council of the holy ones, God is greatly feared. He is more awesome than all who surround him. So we see that these verses present a divine council. It's speaking of something that is taking place in heaven. And it mentions that multiple times that we are in heaven. And these beings are referred to as the council of the holy ones or the council of the divine beings. In Psalm 82, 1, it also indicates that God has taken his place in the divine council. The divine council is also called the great assembly in the NIV version, heaven's court in the NLT, and his own congregation in the NASB. Some scholars believe this divine council is a group of Jewish or Israeli elders that God is referencing which is completely ridiculous because there was no Israel. There were no Jews at this time. Uh, They didn't exist. And the most important reason we know that they are divine is because the original word that has been translated holy ones is Elohim. And the word Elohim means a divine being. So Elohim has incorrectly been believed to be one of God's names. It is not one of God's names. It is a description of God. Now, there are times throughout the Bible that Elohim is used to describe other supernatural beings. Sometimes they're evil. But, and this word Elohim is still the original word that is used. 
The Bible says there is no other Elohim who is like God, for he is the supreme Elohim. And in some of the English or the Hebrew literature, if the Elohim, if the word Elohim is used for God, it is capitalized. Um, and, and I also think that it's in the singular form in Hebrew. And when it speaks of the lowercase Elohim, it is always mentioned, uh, used as the plural form in Hebrew. So the Divine Council is also referenced in Nehemiah 9.6. It says, You alone are the Lord. You have made heaven, the heaven of heavens, with all of their host, the earth and everything on it, the seas and all that is in them, and you preserve them all. The host of heaven worships you. So God has a heavenly host, and most people know that. We know that there are, um, most people just call them angels, but there is a hierarchy among the divine beings. There are different categories, and, and we may talk about some of those. The seraphim that are around the throne is one category. Um, there are a group of angels that are considered messengers. Their job is to be messengers um, and helpers for those on earth. And there's a lot of information about this. And a lot of biblical scholars, famous biblical scholars, have written books on this that would be worthwhile to read. Um, other pack passages of scripture that describe scenes that are interpreted as a divine counsel can be found in the scriptures. And one of them is in Job chapter 1 verse 6. There is a conclave held in heaven. And the verse says, One day the angels came to present themselves before the Lord. And I believe the exact word is one day the Elohim came to present themselves before the Lord or the Holy Ones. In 1 Kings twenty-two nineteen, the prophet Micah relates a vision. He said, I saw the Lord sitting on his throne with all the multitudes of heaven standing around him on his right and on his left. So there are a large group of heavenly beings surrounding God. And he goes on to describe how these spiritual beings are there. They are suggesting various means to accomplish God's will. And God chooses one spirit to carry out the task. And it's fascinating if you'll go read it. This is in 1 Kings 22. God asked them, what would they do about the wicked Israeli king Ahab? And he takes their suggestions and he decides on one of them as the course of action. And that's just fascinating. Um, and people say, well, why would God need a counsel? Why would God need someone to help him make decisions? God doesn't need someone to help him make decisions. He graciously allows his family to participate. He allows the divine beings to participate in decisions and discussions 
about what to do with earth and with man, just like he allows mankind to participate and to help govern and rule the earth. God placed earth under the rule of mankind, and whatever happened on earth was dependent upon man's decisions, and we see how that turned out. So that's all he is doing. He has a heavenly family just like he has an earthly family. And in Eden, heaven and earth overlapped. And now heaven and earth overlaps in us because of Jesus and what he has done to try to right the wrong of these things that we're going to be talking about in this series. In Daniel 4.17, the angels present a decision made by the divine council. And it says, This decision is by the decree of the watchers and the sentence by the word of the holy ones in order that the living may know that the Most High rules in the kingdom of men, gives it to whomever he will, and sets it over the lowest of men. So, if you'll notice here, it says the decision was by the decree of the watchers and the sentence was by the word of the holy ones. But the message is that the Most High rules in the kingdom of men. So, in other words, they're letting us know the ultimate decision was God's, but he allows the divine council to participate. So God, as we mentioned just a few minutes ago, God does not need a divine counsel to give him ideas or to approve his decisions. He is the almighty God. And in his wisdom, he has created a divine counsel to stand in his presence and he graciously allows them to participate in various judgments and decrees, just like he allows mankind to participate. So there are multiple rebellions among some in the divine council. And I'm just going to briefly cover these. And we'll talk about them in more detail in other videos and other podcasts. So the first event is in Genesis 6, where the sons of God mate with the daughters of men. Their offspring is the Nephilim, or the giants. They are mentioned often in the Old Testament, and the areas where the Nephilim and giants live are the same areas where God tells Israel to kill every man, woman, and child, which is totally unlike him. But he knew that this line of men should not be allowed to corrupt the line that would bear the Messiah. And I am going to give you a link to an excellent little book um, at the end of this post, this podcast. And the name of it is simply Giants. And it's a small book, and I think it costs like $1.99 on Amazon, but it is very, very good. And it will give you a lot of details about the evidence of giants throughout the centuries that, that has been found through archaeology and, and other ways that prove that this theory is correct. For more details on the terror and destruction brought about by the Nephilim, you can look under the portion of the Book of Enoch called The Watchers. 
I will also be doing a session about the Book of Enoch. And then the second event of rebellion from among the sons of God is at the Tower of Babel, at Babylon. And <clears throat> it talks about when God divides up the nations. And it says that he, he put them under the rule of the sons of God. And uh, we will talk about that in more detail as well. And I found something very interesting as I was uh, researching this to do this video. In uh, Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy, I always get that wrong, 32.12, and it says, Adonai alone led his people. No foreign or hostile God was with him. This is just another acknowledgement that hostile gods we're leading all of the other nations. And verse 17 says Israel ended up sacrificing to these lesser gods or these idols, which are demons. And so in Psalms 82, we see God chastising these sons of God who have been assigned to the other nations for mishandling them and leading them in sinful ways. And here is the exact as scripture, exactly what he says. My decree is this. You are Elohim, sons of the Most High, all of you. Nevertheless, you will die like mortals. Like any prince, you will fall. And one of the prophets, one of the older prophets says that God will punish the hosts of heaven at the final judgment. And all through the Bible, we see evidence of the offspring of the fallen divine beings, the Anakim, the Rephaim, the giants, and more. And once you know who they really are, it makes sense. Multiple times, we see New Testament authors speaking of them. They well understood the significance of the battle between rulers and principalities of the air that we don't understand because we have not been taught. The battle between good and evil is more than just about Satan. As we've discussed, it's about several rebellions that we don't understand, several rebellions on heaven and earth, divine beings and humans. And that's why Jesus' followers, as the offspring in Abraham, are in constant conflict with the serpent's offspring we are to expand God's kingdom by proclaiming the gospel in the very nations that are governed, governed by fallen divine council members. Anytime you see the word nations in the Bible, it's speaking of the nations that follow other gods, the pagan nations that are following these other gods that the Bible tells us are demons, these other gods that are divine beings who have rebelled. And in the book of Acts, we see that the Holy Spirit came and the, the believers were sent out to the nations. The, the nations that were gathered after the Holy Spirit fell were the same exact nations listed as the disinherited nations. And now the believers in the book of Acts 
are given the task of going back out to those nations and bringing the people in from the nations that have been governed by the fallen divine beings. It has always been God's plan that Israel and those who join them in worshiping the one true God would spread the good news to the corrupt nations. I believe the divine council will play a significant role even when Christ returns. Gog and Magog, the nations of the north that are none other than the territories once governed by the corrupt divine council, they will be defeated at Armageddon. Furthermore, according to some Hebrew language experts, the Hebrew phase underlying the Greek Armageddon is not Har Megiddo, which is the translation they believe that Armageddon comes from the uh, words, the Greek words Har Megiddo, and that means the mountain of Megiddo. Some scholars believe the word is Har Moed. There's a very good explanation for that in. Uh, Dr. Heiser's book, The Unseen Realm, page 368 to 75. And I can do another small um, video on that if anyone is interested. But Har Moed means the mountain of assembly. And the mountain of assembly is in Jerusalem. So in Jerusalem, if Armageddon actually takes place in Jerusalem, that makes much more sense. God will defeat the powers of darkness once and for all and restore the rule of Eden, of the Garden of Eden. Restore the Garden of Eden. And it all takes place in Jerusalem. It makes sense that Jerusalem is the place that this will happen. In his victory, God will be accompanied by both the loyal members of the Divine Council and the believers who have had victory over and replaced the corrupt God of the nations. And the idea of the divine council worldview is saturated throughout the scriptures, and we will be looking at that in future videos and podcasts. So, in closing, I would highly recommend that you watch a short video from the Bible Project, and it's called The Divine Council. Just go to YouTube and search for Bible Project, the Divine Council. So, I hope that was enough information to get us started on this. We're going to be talking about different aspects of this in other sessions. And um, I hope I made it clear. And I will see you in the next video.